good morning. Let me just say this real quick. It's on my heart. I sure do love Pastor Elvis, Wendy, the Hispanics in our church, Latinos, African Americans in our church. I, I love being a diverse church. There are times where he's speaking Spanish, and sometimes there's, there's a section of me that kind of checks out a little bit. I keep pulling myself back, not only to learn the language, uh, but to just feel the tension that this is a moment for those of us that don't speak Spanish, that are not Latino, to give deference. This is a beautiful moment for us to push, put our preferences and our understanding on hold so that we can learn, so that we can love, so that we can pray for our brothers and sisters. What a beautiful family God has given us at South City. Thank you, God. That, and I'm also thinking about our, our service and our time on the 31st and tacos. Tacos are on my brain. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm excited about the 31st and tacos. Yes, brother. So, hey, we're glad you're with us. We hope that you feel like you can be a part of this family. This is uh, not just a place we want you to come and listen to somebody speak or some, somebody do some music or just kind of get to know people a little bit. No, we want this place to be a family. We want these relationships to be more than this time right now, that we leave here and we actually have life together throughout the week. And then when we come in here, this is a celebration of the life we have together outside of this place, right? That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a family. Hey, we've been talking about this series. Uh, we've been in a series for the last several weeks called Multiply. The concept and the idea is that uh, we're talking about the Great Commission of Jesus. What does it mean for us to be on mission? Last week, we talked about having circles of influence. Every one of you has a circle of influence. Every one of you are, uh, have a family that, that you connect with when you go home. You have children. You have family maybe under your roof. Maybe you have extended family all over the nation. I don't know what all the connections are that you have in your family circle of influence. You go to work and you have circles of influence at work and people that you know and that you're blessing and praying for and you probably even have a good understanding of who knows the Lord and maybe who doesn't. Uh, you have neighbors. You walk out your front door and you have neighbors that are, are you, maybe you know their names, maybe you don't. In fact, we, we shared this tool with you last week that I'm really excited about uh, called Bless Every Home. Uh, this is a wonderful app that you can, if you have a smartphone, you can download it on your, on your phone. Um, and there's, I think we, do we have the QR code that we could put up? Even right now, if you have a smartphone and a camera and you didn't get to do this last week, you could just hold your camera up to that QR code. It'll take you to our church app where you can download the Bless Every Home app. The concept is with this app, you are able to know the names of your neighbors. I love that. Every single day, this app takes five of those neighbors and puts them on a prayer list so you can pray for those five neighbors that day. When you go walking intentionally in your neighborhood, you're looking at homes, you're going, hey, I prayed for that guy today. I know his name. There's even a journal where you can take notes on missional conversations that you have with your neighbors. We all have circles of influence, and, and I hope this is a tool for us as we get to know our neighbors a little bit better. You have other places where you have influence. Maybe it's at the gym or other sports leagues or things that you're a part of. But my hope is that as we think through what are the places where I live what are the, the circles of influence where I go that I get to spend time with people in a repeated fashion? Do I know them? Do I know that they know Jesus? And do I know where they are with Jesus? Can they know him more? 
right? Jesus didn't call us in the Great Commission just to make converts, but to make disciples, to teach them everything Jesus had taught his disciples. That's a lot of stuff, right? We're all, like it says in the back of the door back there, we're all becoming disciples. We're becoming authentic disciples who make disciples. And so our hope is to not only tell people about Jesus, but help people who maybe know him, know him even a little bit more. Uh, We talked about the fact that once we get a sense of who those people are that we want to reach, that we're praying for, we can bless them. We handed out a little uh, sheet last week, there's probably some still back there, that have this uh, acrostic, I think is what it's called, yeah, bless. We begin with prayer, we pray for people. It has to start there, friends, because God is the God of mission and he's the only one who draws people to himself. So it's not a, not a matter of how good of a witness you are. It's not a matter of how brilliant you are and how good of a communicator you are. The Lord has to draw people to himself, so we seek the Lord to draw people, right? To work with him on this mission. And then we want to love people enough that we can listen to them. When you actually truly listen to people, they actually feel like you care. You've taken time to hear what's on their hearts. You've, you've taken time to understand who they are, what's important to them. That hopefully will move us to eat with them spend time with them, to learn how to serve them. And then at some point, the prayer is that we would be able to share uh, God's story of salvation and how he's changed us and share our story so that it can become their story. Last week, we had a verse at the very end of the message. And I just, I think it's an awesome verse. I want us to start with that verse today. First Thessalonians 2.8 says this. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share the gospel with you, but not just the gospel, our lives as well. I think this is such a beautiful picture of the Great Commission. Because can I just tell you something this morning? The key to sharing our faith, the key to being a witness, the key to multiplying, the key to the Great Commission is love. That's it. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Jesus so loved us that he was willing to die on a cross to save us. Jesus so loved sinners, people who don't know him, that he empowered us with his spirit and is sending us on mission. The key is love because we loved you so much. Love is not only the key to the gospel and the fact that God loves so much, but it's also the key to us taking the gospel and that we would love so much, that we would be willing to share the gospel, and not just the gospel. Can I just tell you, if you just share the gospel and you don't share your life, it rings empty. It rings like you're just trying to get a check mark on your list of converts. I just, it's dutiful. I gotta go be a witness and I gotta speak this to many people as I can. But I think we have to share our lives as well. Hey, we have to truly, that's, and honestly, are we making converts or are we making disciples? If you're just trying to get a number, if you're trying to make converts, then maybe you just have a million conversations. But Jesus said, go and make disciples. So we want to walk with people. We want to get to know them. We want to learn from them, with them. And the only way that's going to happen is if we love. We, we had a message uh, a few weeks back talking about the fact that you're a missionary. You remember that one? If you're saved, you're sent. Would you say that with me? If you're saved, you're sent. One more time. If you're saved, you're sent. You're a missionary. 
And the thing we have to understand about being a missionary is God has given three unique callings to children of God, people who know Christ, who are missionaries. Number one, we need to learn how to love Jesus. We love him with all our hearts. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Number one, we have to love Jesus. Loving Jesus, we talked about this, means obedience. Jesus said that. John uh, 14, 21, John 14, 15, John 15, 14. <laughs> if you love me, obey my commands. Right? We have to love Jesus. But then we have to not just do that, we have to learn to love one another. He said, the world will know that you're mine by the way you what? Love one another. So we love Jesus. We love one another. We understand what that means. It's a witness to the world. But then we have to do something else. We have to learn to love the lost. That's what I want us to talk about today. What does it mean? What does it look like to love the lost? Uh, when my little girl, Daisy, she loves when I talk about her, by the way. She loves that. Um, when uh, she was a baby, she, uh, you know, she was like this big, and I would sit, and I've told this story before, and get used to it, I'm going to tell it a lot more. I love it. It was a major moment in my life. We had been waiting for this child for 12 years. She's finally here, this beautiful little perfect child. And she, I could hold my arms like that, and she, her head would fit here, and her feet would fit there. Pip, you know what I'm talking about back there? Okay, good. And I'm holding this baby, and I would, I would sit in her room, and there's a rocking chair, and I would pray over her, and I would smile, and I would just, my heart was so full. And I would pray. <laughs> and one day I was doing that, holding my baby, I'm looking at her beautiful little face, little cherub face. And I'm, I'm looking at her, and I kind of scan over her body, and I realize her feet aren't here. They're down here. Her legs are hanging over my arm and down here. She's just growing, right? Which would be weird if she didn't, I'll be honest with you. We want her to grow, kind of. But all of a sudden, I realized, all in, the mo in one moment, I had this epiphany. She's not staying the same. <laughs> She's growing. And there's going to be a day where this little perfect cherub is going to break my heart. And it started that day. I literally, for 30 minutes, I just, I just sat in that chair and wept like a baby. I mean, snotting kind of cry, you know what I mean? Cried my eyes out because I realized this is the beginning to something I can't control. And this little thing right here in my arms is gonna break my heart. Do you realize that when you really, really, really love something, it often breaks your heart? You realize that? It's a hard thing to get and I, for some reason in that moment, I realized that. I realized that she's going to grow up and she's going to graduate elementary school and middle school and high school. Marriage, oh, one day. I got to give her away, you know. I knew that my heart was going to be broken because I loved her so much. This morning, I want us to take a look at what broke the Apostle Paul's heart. You have your Bible? Turn with me in Romans chapter 9. We'll have it on the screen if you don't. Romans chapter 9. Very interesting text of scripture about love. Apostle Paul says to the Romans, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. 
My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. We're gonna unpack this a little bit, but let's, let's go to the Father and ask that he would help us by a spirit today, can we? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this family, this privilege to come before your word to learn. Spirit of the living God, I'm praying that you have already begun the work of breaking our hearts. Break our hearts, God, for what breaks yours. Help us to love. Help us to see this example of love and may it change us for how we reach people for Christ. Spirit of the living God, I pray that you lead us to all truth, that I would decrease completely in this place and you would increase in our hearts and our lives and we would learn of you and be who you want us to be in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Man, what a statement from Paul, right? What an incredible statement. I'm gonna get into it in just a minute, but before we get there, I think it's important that we look at some context. So go back just a little bit because <laughs> it's a totally different attitude. It's a totally different moment, just going back just a little bit. Romans 8, verse 37. See if you can feel a different tone here. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that feel a little different? <laughs> Here Paul is celebrating. He is full of victories, full of confidence, full of these promises that God has given us. And he uses these phrases, we and us. What is he talking about? And he's talking about us, those of us who know Jesus as our Savior. We can have the confidence that nothing separates from the love of, of God, can separate us, Nothing. Nothing at all, nothing in creation, not death or life or angels or demons, present or future or power, height or depth, nothing in creation can separate those who know him, those who are in Christ, those who have Jesus as their Lord. Nothing can separate his love from us. See, the reality is Paul goes very quickly from this attitude, this tone, this moment, this confidence that we have as children of God to a different mode, to a different feeling. Because as confident as he is that for those of us that are in Christ, we can never be separated from God. Never. What joy, what hope. In the same way, he's also, also just as confident that for those who are not in Christ, we'll be separated from God forever. Do you see that? Joy, hope, victory for those of us who are in Christ. And then the, the mode changes, the tone, the attitude. You can literally feel, as he calls it, the anguish in his heart as he considers people who are not in Christ. In fact, he says it breaks his heart. Verse two says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Paul is saying, my heart 
is broken. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Friends, I want you to see Paul is saying, my heart is broken. My heart is broken over my people, the Jews. Right? That's what he's saying. Why is his heart broken over the Jews? Because they don't believe Jesus is Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus is the Savior sent from God. And it breaks his heart because he knows they will be separated for all eternity from God's love and from God. And he does something, he says something that is absolutely crazy. He says, for I could wish that I myself were accursed. That word in the Greek is anathema. It means cursed, sent to hell is what it means. Paul's saying, I wish I could go to hell for them if it meant they would be saved. Isn't that a crazy idea? I mean, I love you and all, right? But my goodness, what a statement. Jesus said, there's no greater love than a man would lay down his life for his friend. There's no greater love. And yet here Paul's saying, I wouldn't just give up my life. I would give up my eternal life for those who are in my family, those, these Jews. Paul's heart is broken over the lost. Why? Because he loved. Love is what broke his heart. He didn't want to see them separated from God. Then I want you to see the second thing. First thing is, as believers, we need to learn to be broken over the lost. Second thing is this. We ask the question, what can I do? Look what he said in verse 3. He said, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. If I could, this is what Paul's saying. Man, if I could, I would go to hell in their place. See, the thing I want us to consider this morning is not what you can't do, but what you can do. You can't do that. Paul knew you couldn't do that. I can't trade eternal life with somebody. But what can you do is the question. What is the option for you to do? What can we be intentional with? Can I be intentional to bless people, to begin with prayer, to listen, to eat, to serve, to story? Can I, can I in my circles of influence, begin in my heart to, to be thinking about people, make a list? I'm pretty sure that guy doesn't know the Lord. I'm pretty sure that guy sort of knows him but needs to know him more. I'm, can we start to get intentional instead of just let going about our day, no, actually being on mission. And as Jesus said in the Great Commission, as you're going, make disciples. You're going to work, make disciples. You're going to the gym. You're going to your family, make disciples. Let's get intentional. Let's bless people. The reality is, is this. Let's do something. We can do something. Look what the next chapter says. Paul says in Romans 10, 1. Again, he's just, sharing his heart. He says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. My heart's desire and prayer is that they may be saved. I started asking myself this question as I looked at this. Drew, what's your heart's desire? (laughs) Ask yourself that question. I'm not sure there's one of us in here that would go, my heart's desire is that the lost be saved. When I really started reflecting on my heart, it was about me. 
It was about my family. It was about our church. It was about the future, right? It was about things that don't matter maybe as much as the lost. And yet here Paul is saying, my heart's desire is something that leads me to prayer. It leads me to pray for people who don't know Christ, the lost. He couldn't take their place. It wasn't an option. But he could pray. He could be led to this godly desire to see them come to Christ. Friends, a few things I want you to take notes of if you still have your journals or if you're taking notes this morning or just even remembering as we go, we have to be brokenhearted over the people in our lives that don't know Jesus. I'm beginning to ask myself and wonder what breaks our hearts nowadays. We have to be broken over the loss. We have to ask ourselves, what can I do? I mentioned this last week and some people um, really encouraged me in this and so I, I wanna mention it again. When we witness, when we look to be intentional, when we seek to know people and take the gospel to them, we need to remember, you can't save anyone. I wanna make sure we understand that. You don't do the saving. All you can do is be faithful to take the gospel to them. All you can do is be faithful to go to them and, and, and care for them, pray for them, give them this truth. But you don't save them. Only God can save them, right? It's so important for us to know that. It also gives us peace. Because sometimes if all we think that we have to do this thing and it's all on us, then you'll go crazy. It's not all on you. It's God's job to save. It's your job to go. What breaks your heart this morning? Uh, people who know me know I'm kind of a tender-hearted guy. And I can cry at the dumbest things. It's unreal. I could be sitting on the couch and a good commercial come on. I'm like, <laughs> happens out of nowhere. My big brother's like, just like me, Dean. Maybe even more so, so you can make fun of him too. Um, what breaks your heart? What are the things that break your heart? That make you sad? But not just sadness. What truly breaks your heart? You know, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder in our culture <laughs> about that question. Because we've lost so much empathy and concern for people. In our culture, we kill the most innocent among us. What a tragedy. What a tragedy that we would kill an unborn baby in the most protected place it could be. In our culture, we play video games filled with murder and rape. What a tragedy. In our culture, we've been exposed, whether it be video, news, social media, to so much hatred and violence and abuse and literally just overall disdain for human life. And then we wonder, why can't I be concerned about souls of men? and women. We've become desensitized to life. You know, I uh, was a youth pastor down close to Houston, Texas, a little town called Livingston. Wonderful church down there. Loved it very much. And we had a good youth group, and there was this kid that came to youth group, and he was kind of goth. He wore black all the time. He wore heavy metal concert T-shirts. He was just like, you know, he kind of had an attitude. His name was Patrick. And I did everything I could to reach Patrick. I would go meet him at school. We would spend time together. We would talk. 
but he did not believe in Jesus. In fact, he even said to me, I'm a Satan worshiper. I'm kind of like, well, then why are you coming to our youth group? I don't get it, you know. There was a reason he was coming. He, he felt something. And maybe he wasn't completely convinced of his faith the other direction. And so I just met with him and tried to love him, and we were leaving the church. We were, the Lord had, had given us another assignment, and it was the last day we were going to be there. I hadn't thought about Patrick. Our truck was completely full, ready to pull out of Livingston, Texas, and we were going to go to one more service. And I went into my office alone, totally empty, all my stuff, all my posters, all my junk is gone, and, and all of a sudden the Lord just laid Patrick on my heart. I wasn't expecting it. And I was led to get on my knees and pray for Patrick. And I was, so I fell on my face and I began to pray for Patrick. And before I knew it, I was sobbing uncontrollably. And I literally, on the carpet, it was like this. On the carpet, I left a, a tear stain because of Patrick. Never once in my life had I wept over someone's soul. Never. And it was just this overwhelming response to the reality that Patrick was going to go to hell unless the Lord intervened in his life. I texted my friend who's still on staff down at that wonderful church. I said, please tell me you know when I say Patrick, I can't remember his last name. You know who I'm talking about? No. I was so hoping that in this story I could say, Patrick came to know the Lord. Patrick dot, dot, dot. I don't know. But in that moment, in that carpet, in that office, I was weeping over his soul. I was undone with the reality that Patrick most likely would die and go to hell. I'd never felt that before. You know, we have some examples in Scripture of people who, uh, who love, who have a passion, who have a burden for the lost. Uh, Genesis 18 we see Abraham sort of negotiating with God. God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And Abraham says, God, um, if there's 50 people righteous, would you, would you relent and not destroy it? God says, if there's 50 righteous people, I will. Well, a Abraham knew there wasn't 50 people, so he starts going, well, okay, maybe I spoke too quick. It's kind of like at the car dealership, Adam. Oh, I went too low, I went too high. And so Abraham goes, okay, what if 45, if there's 45? God says, sure. Okay, 40, 30, 20, 10. Lord, if there's 10 righteous people, would you relent from destroying Sodom? God says, if there's 10 righteous people, I will not destroy. Right? Abraham was going to bat. He was, he was loving. He was stepping up. Please, God, pleading. This love, of course, we know that God did destroy Sodom. There's a story of Moses in Exodus 32. Again, uh, heart of a shepherd. Um, Aaron builds this, has this golden calf fashioned. And these silly people like us, we're silly people quite, quite often. They begin to worship this golden calf literally with God above their heads in a cloud. Moses is on the mountain, God is above, they're worshiping this calf. They even tell the calf, it's you that led us out of Egypt. How quickly we forget. How soon we begin to worship the wrong thing. Well, God doesn't like it. He says to Moses, 
you need to get out of the way. I'm about to destroy these people. I'm done with them. Moses says, Lord, please forgive them. Please forgive them. Forgive their sin. But if you don't, then blot my name out of your book of life as well. Man, what a shepherd. He's going to bat. It very, sounds very similar to, to Paul, right? God, I, please forgive them. This is who you are. And God relents. There's a story of the Apostle Paul, beautiful story of relationship in Acts 20. We talked about it this morning in our Acts cohort, uh, where Paul meets with the uh, Ephesian elders on the beach of Miletus, and he tells them their talk, and he says, you know I've done ministry here, and, and I've been humble, and I've provided for myself, and, and I've done work in tears, and I've preached in the public, and I've preached from house to house. I've done everything I can. You know that. And he encourages those elders, and again, in tears, they're talking about ministry, about having a heart for people, being broken for the lost. There's these quotes. I heard a friend of mine give a message, and he gave these wonderful quotes, and I'm stealing this from him. Uh, John Wesley said, give me the world or I perish. John Knox said, give me Scotland or I die. George Whitfield said, give me souls or take my soul. Henry Martin said, India, now let me burn out for God. David Brainerd, I care not where I go or where, uh, what I may endure, just so that I may save souls. Jonathan Edwards, oh Lord, give me New England. And Jesus in, Matthew, in uh, Luke 19, there's a story of Jesus going into Jerusalem, right? He's, he's just come out of what we would call Palm Sunday. And, and he's riding down the mountain. It's not very far. You can see the city of Jerusalem as you come down the mountain. And people have been celebrating Jesus, and instead of receiving that worship, Jesus' heart is not on the so-called worship that's happening. Jesus' heart is on the lost of Jerusalem, and he begins to weep. He's weeping because these Jews, just as Paul has spoken of, have hardened their hearts. They don't see him as Messiah, and it breaks his heart. Jesus wept over the lost. You know, I, I believe in many ways, probably as every generation has, I believe we're living in the last days. I really do. I don't understand it all, um, but I do believe that. And the Bible tells us in the last days, there's some things that are going to happen. <laughs> that we're going to kind of grow cold in ways. That we're going to become compassionless. Matthew 24, 12 says, because of lawlessness or sin, it will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. Because of our sinful ways, because of our sinful minds, we stop loving. Second Timothy, Paul writes this letter to Timothy 3, 1 through 5, says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, what's this, verse three, heartless. Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. I'm talking about people in the church here. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such power. Friends, here's the, here's the thing I'm trying to say to us. 
with all that we can, with all that we are, we need to avoid becoming these people. Right now, if you say, would you say to yourself, yeah, I don't get very emotional on certain things. There's nothing really much that breaks my heart. Then I'm sorry for you. I am. I ask the question, are you in touch with your heart? Are you in touch with your soul? Are you in touch with your humanity? Are you in touch with your Christianity? I'm thankful for the story of the Good Samaritan that that went by and seized this person and he didn't go on the other side. He, He didn't ignore, but his heart was broken and he served. We have to be a people who are willing to be broken in our hearts not just sympathy, not just that in this moment you might think of a few people who don't know Jesus and go, yeah, that's, that's an awful thing. No, but that God would move you to empathy, that he would put a burden on your heart. Can I just tell you, I'm praying for you to be burdened, for your heart to be broken. If you go to YouTube after you leave here and you put in broken heart, you will find every video, every suggestion, every conversation about how you can cure a broken heart. I'm not sure you can find one about asking for one. I'm not sure you can find one suggestion or one help to go, how can I have a broken heart? And yet that's what I'm asking you to do. Plead with God, Lord, give me a broken heart for people, for the lost, A burden is more than being sad. It's a godly sorrow with resolve. That's what a burden is. Godly sorrow with resolve. A burden is something heavy that you carry and you hope to put it down. (laughs) My prayer is that God would burden our hearts and break our hearts to love people so much that we would take the gospel to them and that we could lay it down. We could give it to them. There's a story of the Puritans some of the first people here in our country as, as Christians, Puritans would pray this prayer for a gift of tears. Again, you can find a lot of stuff on YouTube about gifts, but maybe not a gift of tears. We need to learn from the Puritans because it's a prayer for brokenness, it's a prayer for humility. The Bible says that uh, godly grief leads us to repentance. When God places grief on our hearts in a beautiful, godly sense, it should lead us to understand that we, we need him. Lord, forgive us for not being broken. That's, that's my, my hopeful outcome today, is that God would place his godly grief on our hearts and it would lead us to repentance and action. Where worldly grief won't do anything but lead us to death, depression. There's an example of, of big blocks of ice. How do you break down ice? Well. One way, you can take hammers and picks and you can break ice down with all your effort or you could just move it into the sun and the sun will just melt it. Worldly grief is like us trying to, Lord, help me. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be dutiful. I'm gonna go to the world. I'm gonna do what you want me to do. I'm I'm just gonna go because that's what I'm supposed to do. But God wants us to have a heart for the lost. He wants our hearts to just melt with the reality that we've not been who we've been called to be. And that, Lord, we need to be who you want us to be. Melt our hearts. Break our hearts. Give us the gift of tears. My prayer for us this morning as it closes this, 
that God would give us a missional awareness. It's one of our six core values, missional living. God, give us an awareness to the reality that people need you, Lord. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the enemy. I don't know if it's the cares of this world. I don't, I don't know what it is, but something has so easily blinded our hearts and our eyes to real needs. I had a neighbor, shame to tell you this, had a neighbor come to my door. And uh, this was about nine months ago or a year ago, not that long ago. And he brought some stuff and said, can you guys use this stuff? And I was like, I don't, I don't know, maybe somebody can. He said, well, my friend, my friend died, best, my best friend died. And in the moment, I took the stuff and I said, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll pray for you. And I kind of just didn't know what to do in that moment. I just confessed to you. I didn't know how to proceed. And for, uh, I, the Lord just began to con- convict my heart. What a moment you had. What an opportune moment that you could move in and care for him. And so I've been trying to do that <laughs> a little late, mind you. But going, hey, let's walk together. Hey, tell me about it. I know you're still grieving. I'm still grieving my mom. And let's talk about that. And we're, it's never too late. If we'll just be obedient, we'll just follow through. But we need a missional awareness. We need to see opportunities like that as ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Here's an opportunity. Dig a little deeper. Move a little closer. Hey, how can I help? Come over for dinner. Let's talk. My prayer for us as a church is that we would have this missional awareness in our lives. That we would be intentional to take the gospel to the world. That God would break our hearts for the lost. That as we leave here today, we would literally say, what what can I do? Well, I, I can't take your place, but what can I do? I can be honest with you. I can share with you. I can speak with you. And to sincerely have a heart's desire for the lost, for people who need Jesus, that it leads us to pray. It leads us to prayer. My prayer this morning for South City is that God would give us a godly grief that would lead us to repentance, that would lead us to action, that would give us passion for the lost that we may not have. God, give us a gift of tears. Help us to have a desire that would lead us to pray that by your grace, they would be moved to repentance and salvation. That's our prayer. So I want to close. Let me ask this. How's your heart? Can we just acknowledge maybe many of us were not broken? Can we just acknowledge that? That sometimes we're not obedient. That we don't follow through when God says to do something. And can we just say, Lord, would you give us the gift of tears? Would you make us sensitive to your working around us? Would you move us to prayer and move us to action with a burden on our hearts to see you move and work in the lives of people because people are dying and going to hell? We have the hope of the world. How cruel. How cruel must we be to withhold this information from somebody lost and going to hell? What are they going to say 
in Little Rock, Arkansas, what kind of persecution are you going to go up against here? No thanks. Oh, I'm undone. You're not going to be burned at the stake here in Little Rock, Arkansas. Somebody's just going to say, no thanks. And that's what's keeping you? God, forgive us. By your spirit, burden us. Break us. For the salvation of people who don't know you. God, we pray today. Just a prayer of confession. We acknowledge, Lord, that we have not been broken, that we have been blinded, that we have other priorities, other desires of our hearts, that we wouldn't take someone else's place, that life is about us and not about other people. God, forgive us. We are sorry, Lord. We confess it to you, Jesus. We have not been broken. We've been hard-hearted. We don't care, God. Can we just say the truth? We don't care. Would you change our hearts? Would you break our hearts? Would you melt our hearts? Would you give us a gift of tears for the reality of hell? For the reality of people dying and going to hell. Some of our family members, some of our friends, some of our coworkers, some of our neighbors, so many people half a million people in central Arkansas dying and going to hell. What are we doing? Going to church is not enough, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Break our hearts, God, for what breaks yours? Give us a gift of tears. God, we pray that you would do a work in us. We're not trying to talk about how we're going to grow a church, God. That's not what we're interested in. We're talking about how we're going to be obedient to you, how we're going to follow your directive to make disciples. God, I just confess it's not easy. Churches everywhere are struggling with how to do this. Believers everywhere are struggling with this veil over our eyes because we don't see and our hearts are not broken. But Jesus, by your spirit, would you break us? By your spirit, would you cause us to see? Would you give us a value for people's soul, Lord? For their souls, for the reality of their need for a relationship with you. Father, right now we're going to sing. We're going to tell you, Lord, with all of our hearts, God, whatever you want us to do, we can do something, God. Wherever you lead us to go, we can go. Help us to love the lost. Break our hearts now, Jesus, we pray. Move in us, Lord, as a church, as a family, as individuals. 
God, may, may our faith be so much more than just a label of Christian. <laughs> may we be a family of so much more than just church attendance. God, move us to become missionaries, to take the gospel of Jesus to this world. Do it, Lord. By your spirit, do it, God. We pray it in Jesus' precious name.